the beginning of last year and into this year, the Holy Spirit spoke to me on the inside three things that I should pay attention to. Number one was read the word to understand it. You might say, well, yeah, of course. Well, sometimes, I don't know about you, but I'm just talking about me now. Um, it was more about me reading a lot. And I'm not saying that's bad. Uh, there was a year, <laughs> there was a year that I read 20 chapters a day. And if you get behind a day, you're in trouble. <laughs> so, so uh, last year, uh, I read, I, th I think it was six chapters a day. And um, I felt like the Lord said at the beginning of this year, which is only a month ago, that I should read less and understand more. So that's what I'm endeavoring to do this year. And then the second thing was, is obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you're out and about your life, your business, whatever you do, the Holy Spirit, if you're open to him, he will prompt you to do certain things, talk to certain people, pray for certain people, or what have you. And then the third thing was guard my mouth. So <laughs> I want to talk about that, that portion. Because the Holy Spirit really spoke to me about that. I want to talk about the power of our words and, and encourage all of us in this very important truth. The Bible says in Proverbs 21, 23, it says, Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. I didn't say that. The Bible said that. Right? And then in Proverbs 13, 3, it says, Those who control their tongue will have a long life. How many of you want a long life? Well, it does have a condition, doesn't it? Opening your mouth can ruin everything. <laughs> How many of us had times when we spoke something and we felt like, come back? But once words are out there, they're out there. And uh, then in Psalm 141.3, it says, Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. And then, of course, the verse that probably most of you know, maybe not everybody, in Proverbs 18.21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Words are very powerful. They can bring life or death into our lives and into the lives of others. Did you know that your words can affect other people in a positive way or a negative way? Everybody here, everybody here today can speak words of life into your own life. What you say about yourself is crucial. Jesus said to John the Baptist, he said, what sayest thou of thyself? It's a good question for us to ask ourselves. What sayest thou of thyself? What do you say about yourself? It's so important to always look at that. Everybody here can speak 
words of life into your own life, your children, your grandchildren, and in our case, <laughs> our great-grandchildren. We have eight, we have four kids, one in heaven, three in the earth, and we have eight grandkids, and uh, Cheryl just told me they have 19. I'm like, really? It's not that I don't believe you, but I'm like, 19, that's a bunch. Uh, we have eight, and then we have five great-grandkids. And uh, so we can, we can be, all of us can be a positive influence or a negative influence by the words we speak. Words can stay with you for a long time, for a lifetime, positive or negative. I remember when my mother was about to go to heaven, all, uh, I, I, from a family of 12, I'm the oldest of 12, and uh, we were all around her bed, and it was like five minutes before she died, uh, and well, she didn't really die, you know what I mean, she went on to be with the Lord. She kept living. She's still living today. <laughs> How many of you know we keep living? Even when we leave this earth, we keep living. That's good news, isn't it? We keep living forever. Sometimes I think about that word forever and I think, it has to stop somewhere, doesn't it? I mean, after like 100,000 years, doesn't it have to stop? I guess not. I don't know how that all works, but amazing. So we were all around her bed and, and um, she said, um, she, she, was, she was, you know, her words were like a whisper now. So we had to lean in. That's, how you have to, that's what you have to do with God's word. You got to lean in. So we were all leaning in. And she said, I see a river. I'm like, okay. And she said, on the other side of the river is a spiral staircase. And on the bottom of the spiral staircase, there's a man dressed in white motioning me to come. <laughs> and I said, mom, go. Go, mom. We'll be all right. Go. And you know what she did? She just left. Haven't seen her since. She just left. And when people die, they just leave. They just like, I haven't seen her for 32 years. She just left. Vanished. I know she's very much alive somewhere. The same thing with my father. When he um, died... He, he, he said to me one morning, he said, I think I'm going to go home today. I said, really? He said, yeah. It was on a Sunday morning. And uh, then he said, do you think anybody will mind if I go? I said, no, Pop, because he was not well. And so he said, I want to see everybody. And I called all my siblings. My brother Steve and I were there. We called all the siblings. And all the siblings came and all the grandkids came. And he knew them and, you know, would kiss them on the cheek and say something. Then about 8.30, he said, uh, okay, is everybody here? I said, yep. He said, all right, I want to go now. And he sat up in bed and he, he went like this. I want to go now. I said, I said, Pop, I don't have control of this. You know, just lay back down and Jesus will come back and get you. And for about four hours, we sang and he sang and and uh, he joked sometimes. He said, if we're going to play Skippo in heaven, he said, I'm going to beat all of you. 
And one time he said, Eli, Eli. I said, what'd you say, Pop? I thought maybe he was delirious, but he wasn't. But Eli, his brother, had gone on before. And he said, Eli is motioning me to come and saying, why is it taking so long? <laughs> so I don't know how it all works. But after a little while, he just slipped away and went to be with Jesus. And I haven't seen him since either. <laughs> Over 30 years, I haven't seen him. So words make a lasting... I, I remember all those words. I just remember them. I'll remember them as long as I live. The words and the, and the setting. And when, when we speak words to people, if they have meaning... You remember words that people have spoken to you, positive or negatively. You do. So words can bring encouragement. They can bring validation, strength. They can bring vision. Words can instill into us a can-do attitude or a can't-do attitude. Words can bring encouragement. They can put down. They can bring rejection that goes deep into the very core of the heart of a person. I like what it says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. It says, faith, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things that are visible. The world was framed by the word of God. And we are made in the image of God. That means we can frame our own little world. With the words we speak. Actually, we are framing our own little world with the words we speak more than we think. If we want to change things, it has to start with the mouth. Well, I should say the heart and the mouth. Faith has a voice, fear has a voice. So number one, words are like seeds. When they are spoken, they are projected into the heart of the person they are spoken to. And words will produce after their kind. It's like harvest. Whatever words you speak, that's the kind of harvest you will get. In Proverbs 12, 18, it says, Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. I don't know about you, but I want to bring healing. I want to bring life. I want to bring encouragement. I want to bring blessing. I don't want to say the kind of things that people leave my presence and say, boy, that hurt. Words go deep into our lives, and we remember them for years, like I said before. I was raised in, a, in an Amish family. And um, so when I turned 16, I wanted to get, <laughs> get a haircut. <laughs> and so I snuck out and got a haircut at Sonny Longernecker's barbershop in Smoketown, Pennsylvania. <laughs> so <laughs> I got a nice, you know, layered haircut. What do you call that? Shingle haircut? I forget what they call it. And it, it was nice. And that's when I had hair. Just so you know, it's when I had hair to cut. 
Now when I go to the barber shop, they say, which hair do you want cut? <laughs> no, they don't. That's a lie. <laughs> so I got a haircut, and I'm, and I'm going home, and at the dinner table, I thought, oh, man, what's my dad going to say? I tried so hard to, you know, you're supposed to have your hair down halfway down the ear when you're Amish, and uh, I couldn't. It was just not, it just didn't come down over my ear. <laughs> so I was sitting there. And at that stage of my life, I just wanted to fight. Just, just say something. Just say something. That's the kind of attitude I had. And so I was waiting. I was waiting. Well, my dad didn't say a word. Didn't say a word. And then the next Sunday, we went to church. And the, and the Amish uh, they have church in their houses or they, they might, um, you know, do it in the barn. If they have a nice barn upstairs, they'll take everything out there and put benches in there. And, and so this was in the barn and the doors were open on both sides and it was windy. So I sat there and my hair stood straight up. It was only, you know, that long. And, uh, I'll never forget it. Words. That's what I'm talking about. Words. When I came home that day, my dad said to me, now this was unusual for my dad to say things like this, but he did that day. And I remember it. <laughs> I mean, I remember it 60 years later. Now, if you were listening real carefully, you know how old I am right there by that. But. And... Um, he said, Ich hab mich chemptuftigheit. That's Pennsylvania Dutch. I was ashamed of you today. I said that to say this. I still remember that. I remember that was like cutting and, and rejection and <laughs> all of that. Just from a haircut. Here's what Jesus said um, in Matthew chapter 11. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 11. Maybe you know this scripture. It says, now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from, a, seeing from afar a fig tree, having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to, the, to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, he spoke to the tree. He said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. That poor tree. <laughs> now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots and Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. So from that, he taught them a lesson about faith. Then he said, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and, shall not, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done he will have whatever he says. So he taught them about the power of words 
Like I said earlier, faith has a voice. Words killed that fig tree from the roots up. (laughs) Went to the roots of the tree. Words bring life or death. Words go into the heart and then work their way out into our lives and affect us in our daily lives, negative or positive. Sometimes people say, you know what, I think things are just going to get worse and worse and worse. Well, they might in the world. But in the kingdom of God, things are going to get better and better and better. Does not, doesn't mean we're going to have tough times, but let's, let's watch what we say. Because this is the day for the church to shine. This is the day for the church to rise up and do what God has called it to do. Are you out there today? <laughs> so words killed that fig tree. Wow. And then number two, because of that then, we need to weigh our words before we speak. In James uh, chapter 1 and in verse 19, James chapter 1 and verse 19, it says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, You must all be quick to listen. Everybody say quick to listen. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Amen? Amen. My dad, I I refer to him, I I loved my dad. And I love to to tell stories. I love to hear my own stories again and again. (laughs) But he seemed to have the wisdom when to speak and when not to speak. I don't know about the haircut thing. But I remember, you know, growing up in an Amish family, I wanted a radio. I wanted a car and a radio and electricity. That's what I wanted. I was without electricity for 21 years. You think it's bad when you have a storm that you don't have electricity for two, two days. Of course, when you're used to it, it's different. And so I went out and bought a radio. Um, you know, nobody, he didn't know it. Went and bought a radio and I brought it home and hid it in, in the barn between hay bales. And then when they went away, we'd always go get the, get the radio out and listen to the radio. And uh, so this one day, and, and we farmed tobacco. <laughs> we farmed tobacco. And, um, you know, the Amish people are allowed to smoke. You know that. As long as it's brown. can't be white. can't be white. can be brown, but not white. I love my heritage. I love my background, so don't go away here and say I made fun of them. I, I didn't. I just didn't like some of those rules. Right, Rachel? <laughs> and uh, 
So we were stripping tobacco. You do that in the wintertime. You have a little room in your barn that's heated, and you bring the tobacco down there, and you take the leaves off the stalks, and you bale them and sell them. That was our cash crop. So one day my dad said he's going to go away for the day. And so my brother Crit, Christian, we call him Crit, he said, let's bring the radio down. <laughs> so we brought the radio down, and... Um, we had it blaring, and we were stripping tobacco and listening to the radio, the Beatles, you know, way back and when the Beatles were famous, you know, and all of that stuff, and <laughs> W-L-A-N, and, we <laughs> and so we were just going and enjoying ourselves, and here comes Pop. <laughs> he walks in unannounced, walks right in, <laughs> and I look over at Crit, and he says, <laughs> so I didn't know if I should, I didn't know if I should go turn it off, or what should I do? And so he comes in, he didn't say a word, and he just goes in and gets some tobacco, you know, stalks, and comes out and starts stripping tobacco. And after a while, he says, uh, where'd you get that? And I told him, that, got him at Bard's Hardware. That's all he said. That's all he said. I was ready for a fight. He always watched his words. I, was, I haven't always been good in this area. Ask Sherlin. Before I got saved, I got saved in Phoenix, Arizona in 1972. Four years of marriage before I got saved were not good years, especially for Sherlin, because I was verbally abusive. Not proud of that now, but I was verbally abusive to this kind lady. And um, words hurt. Words can hurt. I remember she... She locked me out of the house a couple times. Good for her. <laughs> yeah, right. You go, girl. <laughs> That's really what got my attention. And I realized if I wasn't going to give my life to Jesus, I knew what to do. I knew what to do. I just didn't want to do it. I knew from a little kid that I was called to preach. And I knew that if I'd give my life to Jesus, that's what I would be doing, yeah. preaching. And so I was running. And so, so when I was verbally abusive like that, you know, when you get saved, you don't always change overnight completely. <clears throat> right? Because to grow as a Christian, it, it means grow. It means you, you, it takes time. And... Um, so I remember having a problem, even when I was first pastoring. I remember one time going to church. I had the little kids, in the, and, and they, were, they were bad. They were just, they were just bad. <laughs> you know, on the way to church, I'm, I'm, I'm going to preach. Scheduled to preach, and I'm on the way to church, and they're just bad in the back seat. Man, I yelled. I told them what I thought. And I'm supposed to preach, Pastor James. And so I, I'm sure you've never done that. 
Probably not. And so I get to the church, and I'm just getting ready to get out of the car, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, you're going to have to apologize. I go, oh, jeez. Apologize to my kids. So I reach for the hand. You're going to have to apologize. I said, all right. So I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for yelling at you. And, you know, that's one of the things that helped me with my words. To be quick to say, I'm sorry. If I say something that as soon as it came out of my mouth, I knew I shouldn't have said it, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So that's a good thing to grow in your life. I'm sorry. In James chapter 3, another uh, scripture about words. Are you still with me? It says, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set you your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. So it says, no man can tame the tongue. But let me just tell you, I am so thankful that the Holy Spirit can tame our tongue. So if the tongue is a, what does it call it? Uh, a forest of fire? Or a tiny, what does it say? Ooh, wow. Set your whole life on fire, but it is set on fire by hell itself. So I'm thinking, if the tongue can be set on fire by hell itself, can't it be set on fire for God? Right? <laughs> Amen. So let's get control of our tongue. And, and the way we tame our tongue is the Holy, ask the Holy Spirit to help tame our tongue. I remember working on the farm as an Amish young boy. I had six mules, six of them in a team, sometimes seven. This little guy, not so little anymore, but he was little then, seven mules, one little bit in the lead mule's mouth. Now the other mules had bits in them too, but the lead mule had a special bit that the reins were hook to. And then we had what we call jockey irons from the shoulder harness of the lead mule to the other one. It's bit. 
And so if I would turn the, the lead mule, it'd turn the jockey and would go over there and turn all the other ones. One little bit. I could handle those seven mules. They probably weighed 2,000 pounds each. I could handle all of them with one bit. That's what it says about our tongue. If we control our tongue, we can control our whole life, it says. Proverbs 10, 19 says, Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Proverbs 15, 1, it says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Ecclesiastes 7, 9, Control your temper, for anger labels you a fool. Colossians 3, 21, Parents, don't come down too hard on your children, or you'll crush their spirit. Crushing your spirit means to be spiritless or disheartened, to deprive of confidence and courage. A little while ago, we were preaching at a church in Danbury, Connecticut, and I went down, uh, Sherlin wasn't quite ready yet, and I went down and I said, I'm going to go down and have a cup of coffee before we leave. And I was sitting there and I saw this boy, maybe about 12 years old, sitting there with his head down, and he looked so dejected and so disheartened, and I thought, I wonder what his story is. So I was about to go over and sit beside him and just talk to him. That's what I felt I should do. You got to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And just as I got up, this man comes down, uh, comes into the room. It's probably his father. I assumed it was his father. And he went off on him. You never do anything right. What is wrong with you? And this boy, I, I just saw him cringe. And I thought to myself, that's not the first time that that happened. Words was killing that little boy's spirit. So I didn't get a chance to talk to him because I'm assuming it was his father who came into the room. Our children want to be encouraged. They want to be validated. They want us to believe in them. I have a great-grandson who is, name is Colson, he's 12 now, and he's on a basketball team, and I go to these games every time I can, just there yesterday, and every time he gets a basket, look, look who he's, he's looking at me, he's running back, looking at me, and I'm going, the other week he had 15 points, and the whole team only had 31 They want to be encouraged. So, number three, choose to speak words that bring life. You can choose that. Jesus said the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words that I have spoken for you are spirit and life. Make that decision before something happens that tempts you to react rather than respond. Did you hear me? Choose that before you have an opportunity to react rather than respond. Pray and speak the word over your family, over your children, over your grandchildren. Speak the word of God over your own life. Many times when I'm driving the car, I'm speaking words of healing over my body, over my life. 
praying for my family, speaking words of life over them. The word of God is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And when we speak it, it goes right in. You don't have to be with the person even. But when you speak it, it goes right into their hearts. Our words can release the power of faith in God's ability to change our circumstances. Do you remember the woman with the issue of blood? I'm not going to take the time to go read that. Remember, you know, she heard that Jesus was coming. Some of you may know that story. Uh, but she heard that Jesus was coming, so she wanted to get to Jesus. And she said, if only I can touch the hem of his garment. I'll be made whole. She said it. Words will provide a path for you to walk on in life. When Jesus spoke to the fig tree, an invisible power was released. I don't know if that would have happened if he wouldn't have spoke to it. Your words can release a ray of hope to another person can actually make the difference in someone's life. I remember when I was trying to find what I'm supposed to do. Well, I knew I was supposed to preach, but I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to get there. And people would sometimes come and prophesy over me. And sometimes I liked it and sometimes I didn't. I would say, just let me alone. I'll do that if I want to. But I remember being at this conference and there was a little break. It was a breakfast meeting and we had a break. And this man came up to me and laid his shoulder, laid his hand on my shoulder, laid his shoulder on my hand, laid his hand on my shoulder. And he said, I didn't know who the guy was. He said, uh, you will preach. You will preach in other nations. Now, I wasn't even preaching yet. And I'm like, oh, man. But I remember it as if it was yesterday. And when, after he said some other things, he left. I never saw him again. I don't know who he was. Maybe it was an angel. I don't know. Now, here's my last point. So if we're to speak life, then we should learn to speak God's word. God's word. Joshua, God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, don't let the words, these words, leap. In other words, keep the word of God in your mouth all the time. And that word is filled with faith and power. When we read it, when we hear it, when we think about it, the word settles in our heart and becomes part of us and a reservoir of God's word develops. It's not magic. It's a lifestyle. Then when we speak from that reservoir, faith in God is released. Healing power is released. Delivering power is released. Reconciling power is released. Taking his word then begins to frame your world. The little world where you live in. Amen? Amen. I'm done. 
I'm done. <laughs> now, I want to pray. And uh, I'd like to pray over you. And then I'd like to and I invite you. I'm not going to force you to do anything. I want to invite you to pray this after me. As, an, as a commitment to what we heard today about the power of words. So maybe we could stand. You've been sitting for a while. Why don't we stand? Did this help any of you today? I talked about um, speaking words of encouragement over our kids or our grandkids and now great-grandkids. Maybe some of you have uh, teenagers or uh, sons and daughters that, that are kind of estranged or disconnected from you. Uh, I don't know. But I want to pray for them, with you, for them. Because I always said I'm never going to disconnect with my kids. I don't care what they do. I mean, I care what they do, but regardless of what they do, I'm not disconnecting. And uh, so important. So important. My mom never, dis my mom and dad never disconnected from me, even though I'd come home drunk. Mom would have to help me up the stairs. Never disconnected. She'd help me up the stairs because I couldn't, I was too drunk to get up the stairs where my bedroom was. The next day, she didn't say a word. Tucked me into bed when I was 18 years old, Travis. Never disconnected. So if you have sons and daughters that, are, that you're concerned about, don't ever give up on them. Don't ever give up. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Are any of you in here in that? Do you have a, a, a child? Okay. Could you just lift your hand if you do? Believing for a child. All right, I see your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, we claim all of these sons and daughters for your kingdom. These family members, Lord, we claim them for your kingdom in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would soften their hearts, open their spiritual eyes and ears to the truth. Lord, they may not listen to us as parents right now, but Lord, I pray that you would send someone across their path that they would listen to and they could connect with. Lord, bring them back. We claim them for the kingdom of God. We pray that not one of them would be lost. Not one. But all would go to heaven. Not one would be lost in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now, I don't know all of you. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. Or maybe you need to rededicate your life to him today. I don't ever like to close a service without giving an opportunity. So I want to lead you in this prayer. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you to pray this prayer. Or if you need to 
rededicate your life, I want to invite you to pray this prayer. We can all pray this prayer so that no one is praying alone. All right? So just say it after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. I believe he's the Son of God. I believe he came to this earth, gave his life, shed his blood on a cross for me, for the forgiveness of my sin. I believe he was raised from the dead so that I can have eternal life. I believe in my heart and I declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. I'll never be the same again. Thank you for changing my life. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or to rededicate your life, please talk to me or Sherlin after the service or one of the elders here or Pastor James and Sarah. Please do that. We want to help you further. Now, let's, let's connect a little bit with this message. Just say this after me. I'm not forcing you to do it. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I purpose in my heart to make your words my words. I purpose to make your thoughts my thoughts. I purpose to speak words that build up, that edify, that comfort, that bring hope, and that inspire faith. Words that bring healing and bring vision. I choose to resist the temptation to speak words that bring fear, despair, hurt, or instill anger. Lord, with your help, I will speak your words. Amen. Amen.